I get to continue in this series that Aaron started last week. It's called Prayers from the Saints. And what we're doing is we're sharing with you a very, very old prayer uh, each week, especially this week. It's an ancient prayer, kind of like the one Aaron shared last week. And that might seem kind of strange if you've been in a church for any period of time. Usually what we do is we, we spend some time teaching the scriptures. And uh, the scriptures are always the authority here at Cornerstone. And I'm going to get to some of the scriptures here in a moment. But uh, this is a unique series in the sense that we are bringing you tools, the tools of prayer, so that you might have more language when it's time to be with him, to be with the Lord, to experience loving union with him, to um, perhaps you rely on one of these prayers when you don't have words. Perhaps these prayers connect you to some of the truth in scripture. Now, they're sacred. All these prayers we're sharing are sacred. The prayer of Francis from last week, the prayer of Patrick today, they're sacred. And they're not sacred in the sense that they're holy, but they're sacred in the sense that real people prayed them at one point. And then it was shared with someone else, and someone else prayed that, and it meant something to them. And then it's been passed on through the centuries, and it's one of those treasures that's left to the church. And so it might be strange for you to pray someone else's prayer. You know, you might be more used to praying kind of spontaneous prayers, uh, connecting to your emotion. That certainly is fine. But there is room within what we call Christianity for a number of different expressions of prayer. After all, we, have, we worship, it's a form of prayer. We lament, we cry out and argue with God, that's a form of prayer. We're quiet, we're loud, we're contemplative, we can read written prayers, we can pray spontaneous prayers. All of them are meant to be tools. And uh, the reason here at Cornerstone we love talking about prayer so much is because prayer and what God can give us during prayer is something that the modern world cannot give us. With all of the distractions and technology and entertainment, uh, the world cannot settle our soul the way the Lord can through prayer. Those things don't lead to lasting joy. Those things don't really give you courage. In fact, they do the opposite. They make us afraid. They make us anxious. They rob us of joy. We will never outgrow this incredible gift of prayer. And so um, this is just a unique way of highlighting prayer here as a church. And uh, we'll get to the prayer of Patrick here in a moment. Um, let me just say this also around, some of you might be reacting to the phrase, the saints. If you grew up in a Catholic or Orthodox expression, you might like that. You might also be allergic to it. You might have a response to it. Uh, this is the benefit of having older Christians, faithful people from the past in our life. So today, the, the, many people are going through something where they're deconstructing their faith constantly. And one of the reasons people are struggling with their faith or deconstructing their faith is failed leaders or failed people who've had authority in their life and they let them down and that will continue to happen because people are people. Um, you know, here at Cornerstone, we do our best to, to kind of hold each other accountable and live in community, but the world is just full of brokenness. And so when leaders fail, it really harms us. And that is the, the impetus for a lot of the deconstruction of people's faith that they're going through today. It's helpful to have people from the past who were normal people who were faithful. And today we get to look at Patrick. And you celebrate him on St. Patrick's Day, but he's a lot more important than green beer. And so he's one of those people, I'll just say personally, that I just kind of hold as a kindred spirit. His courage and his commitment to total transformation within a community I find inspiring, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him. But uh, that's one of the reasons we talk about saints in the Christian tradition, these people that we can hold up and say, hey, they're just like us, but they can inspire courage and faithful living. And so, um, all right, saying that, a couple things about the prayer, and then we'll read it together 
take you to a few scriptures that co- coincide with this prayer. I have a few just thoughts about what this can mean for us, and then we're going to pray it again together at the end. And so the prayer I'm showing you today is most well-known as St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. In Ireland, it's known as the Lorica Prayer or the Lorica Hymn. This song, this prayer is often sung. Um, In other settings, it's referred to as the morning prayer. In certain monastic communities, this is something that's prayed every morning. As we pray it here in a moment, you'll understand why. Um, If you don't know much about Patrick, he was a 5th century Roman Catholic monk who went to Ireland um, on kind of a calling, a special calling that the Lord had given him. And we're not certain, kind of like the prayer last week, if Patrick actually wrote this prayer. So that's disappointing to some people. But what I can tell you is that this prayer has been passed down in the tradition that's connected to what he did with Celtic Christianity. And Patrick lived a life that was very dangerous. The, the, the place that he was trying to do ministry, the world that he was called back into, the world he was robbed from when he was taken as a slave was a very dangerous world. And so he often would pray prayers of protection in the morning. And so whether or not this prayer was actually the exact prayer that he wrote or a version of this was passed on through history because we have several versions It doesn't really matter because it is a a prayer that has been sacred, that's been used by other people, and it certainly fits within the spirit of Patrick of Ireland. And so we're going to read it together. You can see it on the screen. Also, uh, you can text, go back to that text line, guys. You can text Patrick to that line, and you will get an online version of our prayer guide that you can use this week. It has this prayer in there and some of the scriptures that I'm praying today. Of course, it's always better to pray than to talk about prayer, right? So we're wanting to give you this as a tool that, so you can use it throughout the week. All right. The Lorica Hymn. By the way, I've thought about having this sewn on the inside of my boy's sports uniforms to give him courage. But... I don't think they'd appreciate it like their dad would. So that hasn't happened yet. So anyway, it's a a prayer that gives you courage. Here we go. This is how it goes. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way, way to light before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me, afar and anear, alone or in multitude. Christ shield me today against wounding. And then here's the most famous part, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me, Christ in the eyes of those that see me, Christ in the ear of those that hear me. I arise today through the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. So the morning prayer or the Lyrica, by the way, Lyrica simply means armor, okay, So that's where the phrase, Patrick's breastplate prayer. It was a prayer that was put on each day. 
This phrase, I arise in other versions, shows up as I bind to myself, I tie to myself, I attach myself to the strength of God in the day to lead me, guide me, protect me. And then you get into the, the, the whole essence of the prayer, which is a reminder that he is with us wherever we go. A few scriptures that are tied to this prayer that I certainly believe inspired the writers of it. We could, we could find many more, but I have just a few to share. The first is Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. So there's a, an expression that God protects us and shields us with his flawless word. God's word, his direction, his insight, his wisdom protects us. Psalm 32, verse 6 through 8 says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And so there's a prayer that's going back to God. And then there's God speaking through the prayer that he will instruct us and guide us. But he is our hiding place, ever-present help in times of trouble. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, especially using the imagery of armor that's being put on to protect your soul, your mind, your heart, which, by the way, isn't the world constantly assaulting who you are as a person, your identity? I mean, even the, world, the modern world is assaulting who God created us to be. It's not special to be designed and made and created the way that we are. And so we need these protections. So that idea of putting armor on our hearts or our souls is helpful imagery. Well, Paul used the same type of imagery in Ephesians chapter 6. This sounds a lot like the breastplate prayer. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so there's opposition that comes from certain things that we can't see the spiritual realm. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that you may, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and in all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so hopefully you, you know that this is a colorful language. It's, it's a metaphor. We're not literally supposed to put on armor today. But it draws our attention that there are threats in the world. There are certain things in your life, and we'll get to one of those in a moment, that are constantly being opposed and under attack. And God is a shelter. He is a protector. And there are certain things that, uh, that we can just connect ourselves to to guard our hearts and our minds. And so Paul uses colorful language in a, in, in a different way than we see in the prayer of St. Patrick, but certainly the same. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 7 God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Remember how the prayer started talking about the earth? It all belongs to God. He created it. He holds it together. That theme is here. Verse 3, 
Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of, of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so there's just this obvious theme for all, through all the things that we've read that God, Jesus in our life, the spirit in our life is a protective hiding, strengthening force. God is many things like, you know, God is a loving father. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is a savior. He's the anointed one. But God is also meant to be that ever present help in times of trouble. And so one of the real values of this particular prayer, especially prayed every day, is the reminder that someone will go with you no matter where you go. One of the great benefits of prayer is that it transforms the inner life. Many of us are struggling with similar things. Um, plagues of our heart and our mind, whether it's anxiety and depression and loneliness or just negative thoughts, like all of these things are constantly assaulting who we are. Prayer is one of those things that can bring healing to the heart and the soul. And so on a daily basis, just to, a, a prayer that reminds us that God is with us, he's for us, he's protecting us. Time after time, over many different moments of, in his presence praying these things, healing can actually occur. It, it's an important message for people to hear today. God and prayer is a resource for your anxiety and depression. It will not fix it all, but it works. In fact, it's one of the few reasons why people who have no interest in God are showing up at churches today because they hear that prayer helps and they think, well, I think it's, I'm crazy enough to go to a church and believe that they can show me how to pray. Prayer helps those things. It transforms the inner life. Another version, version of this prayer that I've prayed over the years, so the very first written prayer that I prayed repeatedly was a version of Patrick's breastplate prayer. And here's a quote from that version that's a little different, but you'll hear the same themes. Christ as a light, illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield, overshadow me. Christ under me, Christ over me. Christ beside me on my left and my right. This day be within and without me. Wouldn't that be a great thing for kids to go to school with? That idea? That he is with me. The courage, the peace, the joy that could come from knowing that we are attached and connected to him. That we can bind God's presence to our life. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Patrick. I told you a moment ago that uh, he was a fifth century Catholic monk, but it was really before all this that he lived this kind of extraordinary life and God used some suffering in his life to get his attention. He was, was born in England to a well-to-do family, and when he was 16, and this is according to him in his own autobiography, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates, okay? So just picture that for a moment. This is, this is the 5th century, so it's not the medieval world yet. It's the ancient world. Ancient Irish pirates. I don't even know that. I don't even know how to just, you know, picture that. But it sounds tough. It sounds dangerous. They probably have lots of weapons. Well, he's kidnapped outside of his home by these Irish pirates, and he's taken to Ireland where he's sold as a slave. So Patrick has the experience... Unfortunately, too many people in the world and in history have had, they've been robbed from their home, taken to be property of someone else. They just, you know, they're worked to death, abused. Patrick had that experience. For six years, 
He lived in Ireland as a slave, and, and his job for most of that time was to take care of the animals. And so he was a shepherd and he was a herdsman. And it was during this time that he was out on his own that he was reminded of the faith that he had been introduced to when he was young. And so he had grown up hearing about faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, and he had certain scriptures in his mind, but it was during those quiet days by himself that he really made his faith his own. And that's really the idea behind personal faith, is that we attach ourselves to God, to Jesus. Um, Let me say this, there are a couple different ways that people think of faith today. One is helpful, one is not. The unhelpful way is this, that I believe in God as if that he exists, he's out there, but that's it. I just believe that he's there. That's the kind of faith I have in him. The type of faith the Bible promotes is that we put ourselves in his hands. My future, my destiny, my past all belongs to God. What's true of him is true of me. What's going to happen to Jesus is going to happen to me. That's the type of faith the Bible promotes. And I think what happened for Patrick during these years living as a slave is he moved from faith just believing that there's a God out there to literally putting himself in God's hands. And so it was during this time that he describes how he learned to pray and he learned to hear God's voice. And maybe this is the time where he wrote the first versions of this prayer, perhaps if he did it and it was passed on. Uh, According to to Patrick, he um, he had a dream one night and he felt like God had spoke to him in the dream. And he was told that if he was to escape and run to the coast, there would be a ship there that he could get on that would take him back to England. Well, that's certainly what happened. He made it there. The danger, though, wasn't over. He nearly starved on the trip back. Um, He barely made it home. But eventually, he makes it home safe and sound as a freed um, slave, former slave. Years went on. He continued to nurture his faith, and he began to have some other... um, Inklings from the Lord. God was speaking to him, and then the Lord gave him a dream one night that someone going on behalf of Jesus with an idea that Ireland could be transformed would go back with a message, message of the gospel. And Patrick felt like that night that God was calling him back to the very place that he had just escaped. And isn't this true when it comes to calling for people? God calls you back into the, the mess or the sadness that he once rescued you from. I'm just looking at some of you. Some of you were, uh, I, just from you know, our pastoral relationships, I know that uh, you're survivors of abuse and you're now called and you care for people who are victims of abuse. Or some of you are former uh, alcoholics and you care for people and you mentor people through that process. That's often what God does. Well, God sent Patrick back to Ireland to the very people who had kidnapped him and made his life so terrible. Patrick, before he was able to go back, he, went, he got some training as, as a priest or a monk. Uh, he, he was eager to say that he was one of the least learned. He was the least equipped to go back to Ireland. But his simple way of seeing things made him very, very effective. And so one of the things I've told you over the years that Patrick is credited for is he was really good at making the invisible things, the spiritual things that we often don't see, but they certainly are real, right? God is here in the room with us, even though we don't see him. But Patrick would make the invisible things of God. uh, He would use visible things to illuminate the invisible things. And so uh, the most famous example of this is he took a three-leaf clover, and he'd show its three distinct uh, arms or, you know, sections of the clover, but it all belonged to one. And he used that to describe the three-in-one God, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God that lives in loving community, that submits to one another, that loves one another, that, that finds its beginning and ending in one another. And so 
Patrick, you know, what happened is because he wasn't very educated, he just used simple things, but it worked. And um, you can read a lot about his life. If you do, you'll find a bunch of like crazy legends. We don't know if they're real or not. Amazing miracles that I tend to think some of them happened. But his ministry and those that were with him uh, was a phenomenal success. The entire community, the, the culture of Ireland was transformed. Uh, and, and let me just give you a few examples. Women were treated different. Slavery was questioned and eventually stopped. Um, the way towns were organized, uh, farming, uh, the way a person sees their, their own personal value, the full extent of gospel transformation was present. In fact, when we go to seminary and we study amazing times in church history where God really did something amazing and didn't just change people's lives but changed the entire culture, this is one of those times we study. It was holistic. It was fantastic. I mean, it, it would have been so neat to experience that today. Our culture needs it, right? Our culture needs healed this way. And so uh, through Patrick and those that would follow him, God did some really, really amazing things. And so... But during this time, it's important to know that he faced incredible danger. And so on many different occasions, he was nearly killed. Not everyone, especially early on, was happy to see him coming. Uh, different kings wanted him, wanted him killed. Different chiefdoms tried to, to kidnap him and put him back into slavery. The elements of the ancient world, just life with disease and the weather was difficult. He was constantly under threat and constantly facing opposition. And so to imagine Patrick praying every day for God's presence to give him courage, joy, and peace is certainly imaginable. And so I think it helps us. Like if you're getting ready to face a challenging day or challenging week, and you're wondering, how am I going to do this? God's not necessarily going to give you all the answers, but what he's going to give you, the promise that he always gives you, he's going to give you himself. So this kind of prayer reminds us of that. Let me make a few other observations about how this can play a difference, make a difference in our life as I begin to close. So first of all, uh, I think it's important to know that when God calls you to do something, there will always be opposition to what he's calling you to do. So in Patrick's case, he's called to go back to Ireland. He's called to go back to the very people who had kidnapped him. He's called to go back and love his enemies. He knows how far the culture is from this gospel transformation that he wants to bring. He knows all of the challenges, and he would face opposition. That's true for all of us as well. Now, some of you might be here saying, hey, I don't have a calling like Patrick had, but, and I understand that. It may not be something all-encompassing. He's sending you across an ocean or across the sea, but it's not true that you don't have a calling in your life. In fact, we all have many callings, and if you've given yourself to God, and you've attached yourself to him and said, I put my, my life in your hands. You have faith like that. You have a number of callings. So the first calling the Bible talks about is the calling just to be a worshiper, to bear back to God his image, to show him off in the world, to be like him. That's worship. You're called to do that. We're called to do that. I'm called to do that. Secondly, if you've attached yourself to Jesus, you're called to build his kingdom and to work towards justice and, and equity and love and truth in the world today. That's a calling. And then there's specific calling, and this is what most modern people love to spend our time on, our unique personalities. I mean, there's not enough Enneagram numbers to go around, right? That conversation never gets old. People love talking about the unique way they were made, which there's something really beautiful about that. God made you unique. And with your personality and your gifts comes a lot of times your unique callings. 
Often these callings are associated with things we're passionate about that then go back to that thing we talked about a moment ago, the things, the, the, the chaos, um, the struggle, the suffering God pulled us out of, he sends us back. Often our calling is formed there. You're also called to love. And so if you have a spouse, you're called to your spouse. Above all other things, besides your fidelity to God, you're called to love your spouse. If you have children, you're called to love your children and lead your family. You're called to love your neighbor, called to love the church. These are all callings that God has given us. Okay, these are callings that come from God. They're pushing forth his agenda in the world by putting certain things in our heart. He forms them in us. He equips us to do these things. There is an enemy who opposes everything that God is for. His name is Satan. He's our enemy. I'll tell you what I tell my boys about Satan. He hates them. It's important to know that. He wishes to undo and destroy everything that God is doing. He wishes to distract us so that we don't have our eyes up to anything that's taking place spiritually in the world. But Satan will oppose every calling that God has put into your life. There will always be opposition. And I think that's why Paul taught us to pray the armor of God. He taught us to do battle in a different way. It's not arguments in a boardroom. It's not negotiations. It's not a wrestling match. It's not physical war. It's a different type of battle that needs to take place because that opposition is just as real. And then you put on top of just the spiritual opposition that comes, just the world can be hard. Like it, the world is constantly working so that you will not stay faithful to your spouse. It's working that way. Uh, the world will constantly tell people, hey, what you should do is you should work more, make more money, and it doesn't matter if you're not spending time with your kids. There's just narratives that are constantly opposing God's calling in your life. If, if God's called you to do something, you will hear over and over again that you are not enough, that you are not good enough. You will face failure. The voices will come and say, time to quit. There will always be opposition to the calling that comes in your life. So just consider for a moment, if we get into that space and every day perhaps we are reminded that in the calling that he's given us, he is resourcing us, he is with us. Christ as light, illumine and guide me, before me, behind me, on my left and my right. So there will always be opposition. Uh, this prayer and the scriptures that go with us remind us that in the midst of opposition, God is there to protect and I love the language that's used in uh, the breastplate prayer, different ways that protection comes. God's might can uphold you, God's wisdom to guide you. Isn't that one of the ways God primarily protects us with his wisdom? God's eye to look before, for me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak to me, his hand to guide me or guard me, God's shield to protect me. His host is a reference to angels to save me. There are a number of ways that God protects us. And for the most part, we will never live in a world as dangerous as Patrick. Um, well, actually, I'll take that back. Some of you have lived in a very dangerous world as children. But we won't face some of the things that he has. But there are certain things that need protected. We've talked about them a bunch. Our heart, our mind, our identity, the callings that God has placed in your life, your relationships. Those things need protection. Remember, Paul said, be alert, be ready, be alert, because there's an enemy and there's always opposition. 
And so there's always opposition. There is a God who protects. But here really is the real strength of this prayer. And it's a reminder of the thing that we need most. I think most of us are really similar this way. We wake up and we think, this is what I need today. Or when we're not doing well or we're struggling or we're anxious or we're feeling bad about ourselves or we're in just the depths of despair, we might have certain things that we think, if I just had this one thing, life would be different. And, you know, some of those things are probably very helpful. They would maybe change the circumstances. But what we usually find out is the thing that we think we need the most is not the thing we needed. It lets us down. And what we're doing is we're putting our trust into other things. The Bible refers to this as, as idols. There are things that we love, trust, and serve more than God. We do it all the time. So I think one of the gifts of this prayer is it reminds us the thing that we need most in the midst of struggles and storms of life, all those things, whatever metaphor you want to use, is we need God himself. And it's the only thing that he promised to deliver on all the time. He will not answer the prayers the way we ask for all the time. Uh, God does answer prayers. It's a mystery why he answers some the way he does and some he doesn't. But one of the promises that we have from the Lord is that he will always be with us during those moments. And I think the person, as they struggle, they look for God's presence, they realize that's what they need. Christ with me, in me, around me, shielding me. Uh, several years ago now, uh, my oldest son, Cole, who you can pray for the Carluchis, in three weeks we take Cole to college, and uh, that will be a, a horrible, dark, <laughs> devastating time. Be relying on God's presence a lot during that. Elise and I love being parents, and um, it's going to be tough to have him gone, but when, when Cole was little, I think he was seven or eight, the, our family went down to Golden with the Kinsley. So Gabe Kinsley, our youth pastor here at Cornerstone, he's in charge of our high school ministry. We went down and, and our kids are all friends and we were tubing in the Clear Creek River and it was a blast. And uh, as we were tubing, we noticed that there were these drops and these pools at the bottom of the drop in the river that people were jumping into. And they could, it was fun. It was, just, it was deep enough water. You could jump in. You could swim around. And so Gabe and I did it. And then Gabe's oldest son, who's a year older than Cole Jackson, did it. And then Cole said, well, I'm going to do it. And so I told him, I said, well, you're going to jump in that pool. You have to turn and you have to swim out of that, that pool because there's probably a current. And, um, but I'm going to be here and I'm going to watch you. And so Cole, he probably wasn't really paying attention to me when I was giving him instructions. But he jumped in. He jumped into the pool. And he noticed right away that there was a current underneath that he didn't know was there. And as he tried to get out of this, the, this pool, he began to get pulled back into the rocks. And he looked up at me with just this face of terror. I mean, he was, he was terrified. He was, he was so afraid because he thought, I'm stuck in here and I'm getting pulled back into the rocks. And I yelled at him. I said, Cole, swim out of there. And he kept yelling at me to come and get him. And so I, I don't know how much time passed. Hopefully it was only a few seconds. I didn't make him deal with that for a minute or so. But um, I thought this is a great opportunity for Cole to learn something that he's able to do this. So instead of just telling him to swim out, I jumped into the pool with him. And I got right in front of him, and I think he thought that I was going to grab him, and I was going to swim the five or six feet out of the pool so that we could get back into the river and get to the, the shore and be safe. But I didn't do that. I just got right in front of him, and I grabbed a hold of him, and I said, you're swimming out of here. You can do this. 
You need to put your face down in the water, because that's what I used to tell my boys when they needed to swim hard. Put your face in the water, kick, and swim. I said, you can do it, and I'm going to be with you. So Cole first had this face of terror. When I jumped in with him, when he thought I was going to rescue him from the whole thing, he had a face of relief. But this whole conversation's taking place, his face changed. And on my little seven-year-old boy, I saw courage on his face. My dad said, I can do it. And he's with me. He's with me. And Cole put his face in the water, and he kicked like crazy, and he swam out of there. And guess what he did right afterwards? Did it again. (laughs) That's a simple story of just raising little kids. But life is like that, and God works that way. He doesn't have to jump into the mess with us. He's already there. But we are so distracted. The world is so noisy. We are so convinced that what we need is something else that we don't hear his voice. We don't receive his encouragement. We don't hear him saying, I'm here protecting, guiding, showing you the way. And we miss all that God wants to do in leading us through these difficult moments of life. Learning A rhythm of prayer where we get pray certain reminders can be an incredibly helpful tool. If you're someone that struggles with fear and anxiety, this might be a prayer that you pray for several days and see if this might be, there might be some help that this leads you to being reminded of God that is with you and you're relying on God more. Because the idea here is there's more connection, there's more loving union, there's more joy exchange, there's more peace being given from him to you. There's more courage being given when you need it. It's not wishful thinking. Prayer opens up the, you know, the channels for God to pour his generous resources into our life. That's the idea. And so if you're someone like that, I would just encourage you to take this prayer and pray it this week or continue on. Last week, the prayer Aaron shared had a different theme. Maybe that's the prayer you need to continue to pray on a daily basis. But this is one of those treasures that's been passed on in Christian history, and it's important that we know that it's a tool for us to use. All right, saying that, worship team, you guys can come up, and uh, we're going to pray this together. So let's, actually, let's not stand, because you have a hard time seeing the screens. I want you to stay seated, and um, let's pray this together. And I know it can often be hard. Your eyes aren't closed, um, necessarily, because you're going to read the words that are on the screen. But let's just move our motives and our attention and our heart, and let's, you know, let these words guide what we're asking God to do. Let's let these words remind us of a God that is with us. He's imminent here in this place with us. All right, so let's pray this prayer together. We got it up there, Pete? There we go. I arise today, light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. I arise today, through God's strength to pilot me. God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me. Oh, a little too fast there, boys. Go back to the next one. Afar and anear, alone or in a multitude. Christ shield me today against wounding. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. 
Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye of those that see me, Christ in the ear of those that hear me. I arise today through the mighty strength of our Lord of creation. All right, let's just go to the quiet place of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this tool. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for um, just meaningful things that have been passed on in, uh, over the years. I know many people in here, um, they're just in a season of struggling with their faith and they're t- taking things apart and they're deconstructing and maybe it's because of failed leadership. Maybe it's because just the, the tight box of their Christian faith has let them down. I pray, Father, that this might be a lifeline, this incredible tool that connects us to deep meaning. And that meaning is that you are with us. No matter where we go, you are with us so closely that we can say that you're on our left and our right, above us, beneath us, before us, within us. You are with us. And that makes all the difference. Father, I pray that we would spend time with you, that we'd use prayer as an opportunity to retrain our hearts and minds to know what we need is more of you. In the midst of our busy schedules, our life is important, there's important things to do. I pray, Father, that we would recognize that life is so important to not stop and be with you and to be reminded of things like this. And so I bless Cornerstone Church. I bless every person here, every family with meaningful times with you. And if this tool is a gift and it's, it's a helpful tool for others, I pray, God, that you would use it on a daily basis or as long as it's prayed to remind them that you are a God that protects and a God that is with. And we love you when we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.